the fourth quarter. The Eagles on the move after the 32-yard run by Deshaun McCoy. Vic to Deshaun Jackson. Nice move. Turns it into a big gainer. Turns it into a touchdown. Oh, the Eagles, big playmakers. And Deshaun Jackson comes through. 31-yard pass and run. Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. These are just emotions, coming through the motions, to make it seem like I'm the only one. This is my moment to break free, to a lot to tour and throw the key from whatever is holding me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Eagles absolutely laid a, a flat-out goose egg against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Patrick Walker, our guest last week, was completely right that the Cowboys were going to win. And uh, the Eagles are now 0-2 on this three-game road trip, all thanks to the Philadelphia Phillies. So to round things up, we've got the Buffalo Bills, and who better to break them down with us than the one and only Bradley Gelber. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. So, uh, Buffalo Bills, before we started recording, we said, you know, they're off to a 5-1 and one start. You can't complain with that. What's kind of the vibes around this uh, Sean McDermott-led team, former Eagles uh, assistant coach, uh, you know, through the first couple weeks of the season, knowing that they've only got one loss and it was a, a winnable game against the Patriots that they, uh, they lost? Yeah, you know, I think people are pretty optimistic right now. Um, I think, you know, it's tough because the quality of the opponents at this point, I mean, has not has not been great. Um, other than you know the Patriots, as you mentioned, and they they weren't able to pull that one out. And it's tough because you know for a young team like the Bills that don't really have a track record of success, you don't want to ever you know take uh, losses as as a positive thing. I mean, you can find positives in a loss, like you did with the Patriots, but I. I caution and the team, you know, they never want to look at it like, oh, well, you know, we, we, we were able to compete and that's good enough because it's not good enough. And any team that, you know, expects to make the playoffs and expects to, to do something when they get to the playoffs um, should certainly have a, uh, a different approach. They shouldn't be content with losing. So, uh, yeah, the, I mean, there's been optimism. It's just you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. So I think that's the thing is there's people around – Certainly nationally, I think that look at the Bills and just kind of don't really give them the respect and say, okay, they're five and one, but who have they played? Um, and you know, I, I don't think anyone really minds it in Buffalo. I think they would rather kind of fly under the radar as long as possible and kind of continue to earn respect as they go. I mean, the one thing I think that's kind of undeniable from from anyone's standpoint is how good this defense is. I mean, you know, they have the third overall rated defense. Um, at this point and you know watching them firsthand i mean other than the patriots i know how good their defense has been in terms of scoring points and taking the ball away but um when you can hold tom brady and the new england patriots offense to nine points and you know they've just been so dominant week in and week out they did struggle a little bit in the first half versus miami last week which you know raised some eyebrows but they were able to you know, turn things around when it mattered. And, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is always so unpredictable. <laughs> sometimes 
you know, he had, you know, obviously the career here in Buffalo and we know him well up here. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think there's optimism, but at the same time, I think a lot of people are really have circled this, this game versus the Eagles um, while things obviously, you know, in Philadelphia are not up to standards for the high standards you guys typically have for, for the Eagles there. Um, I don't think anyone's taking this game lightly just because the Eagles are three and four. I think they look at it as a, as a test. I think Carson Wentz is certainly one of the better quarterbacks they've played to this point. So um, albeit it's at home and, and that's always a great atmosphere for the Bills, but I think this is kind of a, you know, maybe surprising for you guys to hear, but I think it's a bit of a measuring stick game for the Bills to see, you know, can they be as dominant as they should be and continue to be? Um, and then they play Washington after the Eagles. So that's, you know, another winnable game. And really they only have a few games left over the whole course of the season that are, you know, on paper more challenging games versus teams over 500. So, you know, you could potentially be looking, and this is all, you know, on the most optimistic front, um, they could win every game that they should win on paper and finish something like 13 and three and still only end up in the wild card because they play in the same division as the Patriots. So, um, you know, that's getting way down the road there a bit, but, um, yeah, I think there's optimism, but I think as always in Buffalo sports, there's a bit of caution just because this is not the first time we've seen them start five and one. And, uh, and then things kind of fell out from underneath them. So I think this weekend is a big game for a lot of people around Buffalo. Yeah, it's definitely a big game overall, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people coming into this season thought Sean McDermott was on the hot seat. You know, not a lot of success uh, just in terms of winning. And then now he's got this team at 5-1. and one. He seems to have, you know, captured this locker room back. What's Sean McDermott been able to do to kind of just – you know, get this team back on track. And obviously, like you said, the schedule hasn't been difficult, but uh, to have this team playing at the level they are, the defense performing the way that they should be under a, a defensive-minded head coach, what's Sean McDermott been able to do to kind of, you know, change the path that his uh, his head coaching career has been on? Yeah, so I think, it, you know, maybe from an outsider standpoint, there hasn't necessarily been a ton of success, but I mean, since Sean and, and Brandon Bean got here from Carolina, um, they really basically had to tear everything down from the prior regime, which was Rex Ryan and Doug Whaley, um, and basically just start over. And two years ago when they got here, um, that first season was just madness because it was supposed to be the first year that they really struggled, and they ended up making the playoffs and breaking the playoff drought that year when the Bills ended up going 9-7 and seven and getting in on that miracle touchdown pass from uh, Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd that ended up putting the, the Bills in the playoffs. Um, and then it was an ugly game versus Jacksonville, and they lost, and that was the end of it. But, um, you know, that year was just not supposed to be success. It was supposed to be the beginning of basically tearing down the, the roster and cleaning up the cap, and uh, – they surprised everyone and made the playoffs. So um, that was kind of a fun year just from the unexpected standpoint. And then last year was much more in line with what we had expected. It was really the year where they just got rid of, they, they basically got rid of everyone that was from the prior regime. And then they kind of got rid of all the talent. They, you know, they drafted Josh Allen super high in the first round and as the future quarterback. And then, you know, even if you don't follow the bills, you're, you're, pretty probably aware of what happened with Nathan Peterman and they ended up starting him. And it was just 
one of the worst quarterbacking performances of all time. And Josh ended up having to come in and play much earlier than they had expected. And then he got hurt. And it was basically a quarterback carousel at that point. They had to bring in Derek Anderson, who was semi-retired. And then Matt Barkley came out of nowhere. And now he is cemented as their number two quarterback. And he's really become a big part of of the learning process for Josh Allen. And, And he's a great team guy. And has been more than capable in his spot starter duties and in the preseason he played extremely well not that that really matters but um you know he's kind of entrenched as josh allen's backup at this point so um he almost had to make a start a couple weeks ago when josh ended up leaving the uh, patriots game with a concussion but had one of the quickest concussion recoveries i've seen in a while and he was able to start the next week which is not typical um with a quarterback usually when they get in concussion protocol but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, last year was just a lot about flooding, you know, getting rid of, of the excess cap space and put the Bills in a really great position this offseason to acquire a lot of offensive talent. They had a good defense last year, but the offense just completely needed to re-overhaul the offensive line, which they did. They brought in some wide receiver talent and John Brown and Cole Beasley. Um, they, you know, they really just were able to spend as much as they wanted to spend, and they still have cap space as we close in on the trade deadline here. If they, you know, if they feel like they want to make another push here, um, they have the space to do it. So, you know, I don't think I think everyone knows that they're in it for the long haul with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and I think they're starting to kind of see the fruit of their labor pay off at this point. Um, I think a lot of people expected maybe one more year that next year would really be the year that the bills would make this push. But, you know, who could have expected this? You know, I know you guys are in the NFC there, so maybe you don't follow as closely to the other conference, but the AFC has just been an absolute disaster in terms of consistency and overall strong play and all the quarterbacks that have gotten hurt. And it's just opened the door that I think based on how weak the bill's schedule has been, and it's put them in this position to be successful it almost makes it feel like it jump-started kind of the process in terms of going for it. Like next year maybe was the year, but you can't pass up an opportunity when you start 5-1 and one and are facing a really weak conference overall because after the Patriots, I mean, right now the Bills have the second-best record in the conference, um, and then you have a couple other five-win teams there, and, and Baltimore is there, and, you know, Kansas City is there, but obviously Pat Mahomes got hurt last week. So, um, you know, there, there's some fluidity there at the top of the conference. So it kind of makes it feel like maybe things kind of jump started a little quicker. Um, but yeah, I think Sean McDermott is just so widely respected and obviously he's known as a defensive coach and it has reflected in how strong this Bills defense is. And now that they've had most of these guys in, in the system for several years, they're really able to continue to just build upon it. And Leslie Frazier, um, is the Bills defensive coordinator, works really well with Sean McDermott. He's been a guy that's been kind of rumored as a you know possible head coaching candidate at some point just because of how good uh, the Bills defense has been. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think people are really optimistic about Sean McDermott and what he's done here. He's, you know, he's, it's kind of cliche, but he's so big on the culture, and that's become such a, such a thing here in Buffalo is building on that culture and kind of the slogan has been trust the process, which has kind of been made into a suedo joke here, um, you know, uh, on social media and whatnot. People just use trust the process for everything, but it really has become, you know, trust in what they're doing and, and allow it to pay, pay off over time. And I think we're starting to see that at this point. 
Who would have thought Buffalo would be using Philadelphia phrases? Because uh, yeah, there you go. Good old Sixers. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you got the the Bills ended up releasing LaShawn McCoy this offseason. That trade still pains me to this day. Thank you, Chip Kelly. Um, but Frank Gore and, and Devin Singletary, I know you had tweeted, you know, the, the Buffalo backfield that everybody had been hoping for. How important is former Eagles legend Frank Gore uh, to this Buffalo team as, you know, that veteran leader who has been through, you know, a ton of battles in his career, whether it was with the 49ers, the Colts, and then enduring Miami. Uh, how big has he been for the team overall? And then how big has he been for, for Devin Singletary when he's been able to play and just, just learning from him? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when, when they brought in Frank Gore, it was, you know, no one was upset about it. Obviously, it's Frank Gore. He's a legend. But it was just it didn't really make sense. We all were trying to figure out how is this backfield going to shape out. Um, and, and, and it was a topic of conversation all throughout the offseason, through OTAs, through training camp. It just – we didn't understand where the touches were going to be coming from because we knew there was going to be a push to, you know, make this into more of a passing offense. That's the way the league has gone. We knew they still wanted to run the ball, but in addition to LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, they had drafted Devin Singletary in the third round. They had brought in TJ Yeldon this offseason. They had Center Ice Perry, who's a special teams kind of ace, who also can play running back. So, And then they had a couple guys lower down that had been with the team. Marcus Murphy had been there a while. Christian Wade was a super fun preseason story, the former rugby player that came over through the International Pathway program and had a couple of those huge touchdown runs in the preseason that was all over international news everywhere so um it it just it was such a crowded backfield it just we for a long time the the assumption was someone was going to get moved and who was it going to be and it made the most sense that it was going to be LaShawn McCoy because you know even though his value probably wasn't what it was a couple years ago just in terms of you know maybe they could get a late round pick for him or you know it wouldn't make sense to move Frank Gore when they just signed him. You're not going to do anything with a, a guy you draft in the third round. And what are you going to get for TJ Yeldon? So it seemed all along like it was going to be LaShawn McCoy, but it everything we heard in the preseason, everything was said the right way from both Sean McDermott, from Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, from Brandon Bean, the general manager. It was all, you know, LaShawn is our, is our starting running back. This is, you know, we're going to go forward with him and, the, the, the carries will work themselves out essentially and um you know the way Devin Singletary played in the preseason though from from everything I've heard is is basically what made LaShawn McCoy expendable I'd, I I truly believe they plan to go into the season with McCoy still on the team but Singletary just was so good in the preseason and in practice I think they felt like they just couldn't hold him back and I think that that's the right move because I don't think you draft a running back in the third round and then you make him inactive each week. That's just not a something that's really done in the NFL at this point. Running backs come in and make an impact right away. It's not like quarterback or, you know, linebacker, some of these other positions that maybe take a little more time. Running backs can make impacts right away. So I think at that point they realized that LaShawn was probably going to be the one to go and um, I, from my understanding, they did kind of look if there was an opportunity to get anything for him and they're just really you know, on, they claim, I mean, I, I, again, you know, they're going to say all the right things. They claim that they wanted to kind of give LaShawn the choice. Um, he had earned kind of decide where he wanted to go rather than flip him to, you know, some last place team for a late round pick. They just cut him and, and you know, he was able to go and rejoin Andy Reid there in Kansas City and kind of join a, 
you know, really good situation for him on a team that was expected to contend and kind of give him a shot at a ring at the end of his career there. So, um, you know, I think it was they parted on good terms, and LaShawn had a lot of really good things to say about his time in Buffalo, and and people here still really respect him and, and are thankful for what he was, did for some really bad offensive teams here in Buffalo at times. He was the only bright spot. Um so, you know, I think, and he was part of that team that, that ended the playoff drought here in Buffalo, too. So, um, yeah, I think that there was some surprise, but at the same time, it was just the most logical kind of thing to happen. And Frank Gore went from being just a, you know, a guy that was kind of brought in, I think, to to help in the locker room because part of Sean McDermott's thing is he likes to have really a, a veteran leader in each position group within the locker room. That's kind of how part of the whole process thing. So, uh, you know, LaShawn is a veteran, but Frank Gore is really that guy, of course, you'd want there in the locker room. And he went from being that to when LaShawn got traded. And, um, you know, he went to, he all of a sudden, he was the Bills starting running back just like that. <laughs> and he was ready for it. I mean, to, to his credit, it wasn't like he had one foot out the door and was only there to, to collect a paycheck. The guy is just a freak of nature. And, watching how he trains and puts his body through what he does at his age. I mean, the guy is, you know, I, I heard him on a, a national podcast. They were asking him, well, you know, do you, how do you kind of at this age, how do you handle the workload? Do you kind of just take the week off for the most point And then, you know, that way your body's fresh on Sundays. And he said, it's the complete opposite. He said, I practice every day. Like I'm going to play because my body needs to, to be prepared. That's how I prepare my body is it's always working. So it's just, he's just a freak in terms of his physical ability at that age, but he's played really well. It's not just been like this, you know, great locker room guy. He's played well. And Devin Singletary had a hamstring injury and had to miss multiple games um, and all of a sudden, it was really all on Frank Gore. T.J. Yeldon was there, and he had, you know, same issues he's had in the past with fumbling. And so, I mean, he 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 was there with Frank Gore, but it was mainly Frank Gore kind of carrying the load. And uh, Singletary came back last week and played a bit, but it was still mainly Frank Gore. Um, and the Bills did re-sign Center Rice Perry, who was uh, I mentioned earlier, more of a special teams guy, and he had gotten hurt early in the or late in the off season, so they had released him with an injury settlement. But they they re-signed him, so he's back now too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just been huge. Frank Gore has been such a big part of this offense to this point, and just super productive. And I think. Uh, Devin Singletary would be the first to say having a guy like that to learn from as a rookie is just so invaluable. And I think the Bills really see a, a very bright future for, for Devin Singletary. So if, if Frank Gore's only here for this year, you know, there's been, he's only signed for one year and there's been rumors, you know, he'd like to go back to San Francisco to retire, whether that's a one day contract or what have you. But, um, you know, who knows how much longer Frank Gore has, but um, even one season is, is probably a great learning experience for Devin Singletary. Now, this Bills team has been rumored as the trade deadline approaches uh, to be looking for a wide receiver, uh, and it was reported that they were not in on Emmanuel Sanders, but they're rocking with John Brown and Cole Beasley, two offseason additions that have been super productive for them. Uh, you know, barring any addition of another wide receiver to this team, you know, the the Bills passing attack has been able to do what it does without a true number one wide receiver. Why do you think that's been able to work, you know, well for Josh Allen where he can just, you know, throw it to whoever might be out there rather than, you know, relying on a, a true number one guy? Yeah, you know, it's a good question and 
you know, I, I've had my fair share of discussions with Bills fans on Twitter because I do feel that John Brown is a number one receiver, and I know he's not perhaps that you know elite number one receiver that you see some other teams have, but I, I he has been very very productive. He's been. You know, he's on pace to, I think I, I heard today, he's on pace to finish with um, the ba- the seventh best uh, season yards-wise for a wide receiver in Bills history in single season. So, I mean, not that the Bills have a ton of great wide receivers over the, the franchise's history, but, you know, that he's been very productive as the number one. And I think, you know, he has been looked at over his career as a guy that's, you know, a vertical threat. He's He's fast, obviously. That's, you know, Smoke Smoke Brown is his nickname there for a reason. But he's really developed into much more than just a vertical threat. He's been great over the middle for them. He's been great, um, you know, in, in mid-range to short passes as well, which is really where they've stressed Josh Allen growing. We all know he has the big arm. Um, but his transition from rookie to his second year has been, let's, let's, work on the accuracy let's work on those intermediate and short routes and that's why they brought in a guy like cole beasley who's great at creating separation underneath there as kind of a a safety blanket for josh allen but john brown has been if not the same even more productive for josh in in the shorter passing game there in fact josh has struggled mightily in in the long ball this season he's not been able to connect whatsoever on any deep routes this year which was the opposite of last year so as he's made strides and in kind of one area, he's kind of regressed in, the, in another. Um, but, yeah, as you said, those guys, I mean, the difference is just they've been doing it for so long, both of them, and they know what it takes to win in the NFL. Both of them have played on successful teams in the past. Both of them have played with good quarterbacks, young quarterbacks. They've, they've played with their share of both. So I think that for them it's just the experience and having been there and done that and for Josh to know, look, Cole Beasley is going to be where he needs to be, and when I throw the ball, he's going to catch it. And John Brown, same thing. He he doesn't have to worry about telling them where they need to be, where they need to line up. Where you know, with some of these younger wide receivers, sometimes the quarterback has to worry about a lot more than just what he's responsible for. So I think having those veterans has just been uh, such a, a luxury for Josh in his second season, coming from last year where he had probably the worst wide receiver group in the NFL. Um, and then they, you know, they've made strides to, or they tried to improve the tight end group. Uh, they signed Tyler Croft to a uh, former Bengal who has been hurt all, all year. He just played in his first game last week versus Miami. Um, Dawson Knox was the rookie they took this year who was kind of the, the hope for the future. And he's had a nice, uh, rookie season. Um, but he's also kind of struggled with some drops of late. And they drafted another tight end in the seventh round and Tommy Sweeney at a Boston college who had a nice preseason and was filling in nicely for the bills when they, when they kind of needed it, when Tyler Croft was hurt. So they have some options at tight end as well. And uh, wide receiver, they have a nice story and uh, a guy named Duke Williams, who was former, uh, former CFL, the top wide receiver in the CFL. He played for Auburn back in college and had some uh, off the field issues that kind of derailed his career um, but he ended up making the Bills practice squad this year and then got called up a couple weeks ago and had a, a fantastic first game in the NFL um, with a touchdown catch there. And he had to leave last game with a shoulder injury and didn't return, and, and he was limited today in practice. So we're not sure if he's going to get to play this weekend versus the Eagles, but um, he's another guy to keep an eye on there in the passing game for the Bills. Is he, He's really their, their one big-bodied wide receiver. He, he's tall. He's, he's lengthy. 
Um, he goes up and makes those catches that really none of the other Bills wide receivers have that kind of, they're all more uh, quicker, quicker uh, burst kind of type of wide receivers that Sean McDermott calls them uh, the Smurfs is, is what he refers to <laughs> as his, uh, his group of wide receivers. But yeah, Duke Williams is the one guy that's definitely not a Smurf. He's more like a giant. So, um, you know, that's, to, to kind of answer your question, there's just been that ability to, I think, for Josh to, to trust in his wide receivers more than anything else. Now, uh, is this Bills team relatively healthy coming into this game, or are there any, you know, major injuries that, you know, could be a factor uh, as the Bills get set to host the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're, they're relatively healthy. I think that, um, you know, in terms of, uh, what I just mentioned with Duke Williams, that's a guy that they're not entirely sure of um, if he's going to be able to play. I know uh, the Bills had a couple veteran rest days today in practice, so those were guys that um, that were out that probably will still be able to play. But um, Quentin Spain, their starting left guard, did not practice today, but um, I haven't really heard anything um, major in regards to that. The one, the one guy, though, that um, has been kind of, he, he left or he was not able to play last week and it wasn't they weren't entirely sure I think if that was um, due to playing Miami not that they wanted to take the Dolphins lightly but if that was kind of giving him more of a an extra week off because it was the Dolphins or if he wouldn't have been able to play um, regardless but their uh, linebacker Matt Milano um, was not able to play last week and he is still limited today in practice and that is a guy that um, is an integral part of this Bills defense. He is, um, you know, huge in the run game for them especially, and it was easy to kind of see why. I mean, last week versus Miami, they were getting gashed on the ground, and that's a, a terrible Dolphins uh, offense there. And obviously I've already talked about how good the Bills defense is. So uh, they were missing Matt Milano quite a bit last week. And going up against the Eagles tight ends, uh, you know, the two tight ends you guys have there is no easy task for, for a defense. So that's a guy they really would like, um, you know, or also, you know, then they have to kind of figure out what are they going to do if he can't play, are they going to, you know, pull the safeties down to kind of have to cover the tight ends or uh, they don't really have other linebackers that can kind of do what Milano does. Tremaine Edmonds is an absolute freak and he's a second year player as well, but he's their middle linebacker and, and just usually not the guy that, that they would roll out in that situation. So um, if Milano can't play, that's going to be interesting to see kind of how, how the defense decides to, to go after the Eagles' offense there. But um, relatively healthy overall, um, other than kind of Milano and Duke Williams. One of their other cornerbacks, Kevin Johnson, um, who's, who's kind of more of a, a backup cornerback there, sometimes plays the nickel. He, uh, he was limited today as well, but yeah, Milano and Williams are kind of the, the two that are the bigger names that are, are limited at this point. Has Ed Oliver been living up to uh, the expectations of Bills fans in his uh, rookie season? Yeah, so that's been, that's been an interesting topic of debate here. Um, I do a couple local radio shows here, and last week prior to the Miami game, you know, they were asking me the same type of thing, and um, you know, if you don't watch film and you don't, you know, kind of break down the all 22 and all that kind of stuff, if that's not your thing, or you're just more of a, a casual fan and you just watch the game on Sundays, I'd say, no, he, he hasn't lived up to, to the hype of where he was drafted and kind of, you know, all the talk about him just because he hasn't really made those highlight reel type of plays where you hear his name called or you see him on sports center or whatever, these, these big 
quarterback hits or sacks. I mean, going into last week, he did not have uh, an actual sack registered on the season. Um, he got his first one versus Miami, but albeit not probably the way he would have thought, it was on a, uh, a wide receiver designed throw. So the wide receiver was actually throwing the ball and he sacked the wide receiver. So he's still looking for his first sack of the actual quarterback, but uh, still counts. Um, but, you know, the thing about Ed Oliver is he's undersized, right? So it's it's his athleticism and his, his freakish athleticism, I should say, and just his speed and his ability, his power, that kind of overcomes that um, that limited size. But the thing is, at the NFL level, sometimes that's where guys get into trouble is they've been able to dominate based on their skill their whole career, and then all of a sudden they go up against NFL players and it's a different story. So I think if you look deeper into it, really, at Oliver, the way he's impacted the defense as a whole, he's allowed guys like Jordan Phillips, who's having a monster year as as a as a you know a rotational defensive tackle. He's just he's loading up the sacks. I mean, he's been all over the the quarterbacks. Um, you know, the Bills obviously have Jerry Hughes as kind of their defensive end that most people are are familiar with, but they also on the other side have Trent Murphy and Shaq Lawson. Starla Tulele is uh, their other defensive tackle as well. So they have a nice rotation there, the defensive line, um, and their defensive line has been good. So I think it's hard to say that Ed Oliver's had a bad season or anything like that because he's impacting, he's doing what he needs to do to allow other guys to have the impact, which at the end of the day, if the results are there, that's all that really matters. But from an individual statistical standpoint, he's probably not quite lived up to what most people would have liked to see. But I, you know, I caution saying he struggled because I think overall he's he's still impacted uh, the the defensive line there as a whole. Now, looking at this this matchup, two things stand out to me is, uh, you know, this stout Bills defensive line being able to go up against a rookie, Andre Dillard. I, I would assume is going to get his second straight start with Jason Peters still being uh, week to week injury wise. Um, how do you see that playing out? And then the other matchup I look at is uh, Alshon Jeffrey against Tredavious White. Yeah, I mean, like I just said, I think you know the defensive line, no matter who they're facing, I you know I think that that's something that um, it, I don't really ever worry about. I, I think they'll they'll perform when they need to perform and. You know, we really haven't talked too much about the Bills secondary and that you just brought up. I mean, Tredavious White is one of the best young corners I've seen play, and he just doesn't get the credit that I think some of these other young corners get. And I think sometimes that has to do with playing in Buffalo and just just doesn't get the same attention. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of love for other corners around the league, and, and deservedly so. A guy like Stephon Gilmore that played in Buffalo for a while – obviously Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there, you can go down the list of the other kind of top corners in the league, but I think Trey belongs in that conversation for, for you know, top five in the league. I mean, he, he's just really been sensational. And I think last week was a perfect example. He kind of single-handedly flipped the script there at the end of the game and allowed the Bills to, to come out of that one with a victory versus the Dolphins. He had that interception late in the game um, as the, the Dolphins were driving off of Fitz, which is just so fitting against Fitzpatrick to have that interception there late in the game, as we saw so many times when Fitz was the quarterback here in Buffalo. But, um, you know, and then he had a strip. He stripped the ball out, and the Bills were able to recover a fumble late in the game that kind of sealed it for them. So he just has a notion and a knack for making big plays, but he's also just extremely talented um, no matter kind of whatever defensive package they're running. 
Um, so I think it will be a tough matchup for uh, for him going on Alshon Jeffrey, but I also think that any wide receiver that goes against Trey, um, I don't know many quarterbacks that are going to throw at him, and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick learned that the hard way last week. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the Eagles attack the Bills there and, and what Carson Wentz does. Um, you know, I know Wentz has had accuracy issues when he's in the pocket and things of that nature. So, um, I think that it'll just be interesting because on the other side, uh, they have a guy named Levi Wallace who played at Alabama, was an undrafted, um, player and stepped in last season when the Bills needed, uh, uh, a cornerback on the opposite side of Trey White and just really came out of nowhere and kind of took that spot. Um, and as I mentioned, the Bills signed Kevin Johnson. Um, in the off season, and, and thought he would perhaps compete for that role, um, and Levi Wallace just would not give it up, and, and he's maintained that second cornerback spot. Um, he struggled a little bit last week, and he's had times where he struggled, so if you're going to pick the corner to go against, it's going to be him, but he's also played really, really well at times. So, um, And that's without even talking about the Bills' safeties, which are probably um, you know two of the best you know tandem in the league, and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, two guys that have come from, you know, other teams in Green Bay and Cleveland that were kind of just given up on. And, and Sean McDermott talks about that a lot. They were kind of just told basically they weren't good enough. And they come here and they're a few years in this system. And all of a sudden, especially together, they're just such an unbelievable duo that um, it's really, really helped the Bills, you know, with a young with some other young pieces like a Trey White, like a Levi Wallace, like the Lime uh, – Tremaine Edmonds, I mentioned, some of these younger guys now at Oliver, some of the younger pieces there that have these veteran safeties and the, to kind of be the you know final line of defense back there. They've just been great. So um, I think it'll be a, a tough matchup for, for the Eagles as they look to try to find weakness there um, just because the Bills are really strong across the board in, in all different areas. Jordan Poyer, the one that got away from the Eagles. Um, you know, and just the way that this Eagles team has been performing overall uh, on offense, it, it's like it's Alshon or bust almost. So that matchup against Tredavious White with Alshon Jeffrey, I think, is going to be very interesting because Zach Ertz hasn't been targeted uh, nearly as much as I think he should be. Um, so I'm definitely looking at that matchup. And then on the flip side, Josh Allen throwing against this Eagles secondary, he's got to be salivating knowing that they're so incompetent. Uh, you know, Jalen Mills coming back last week was huge, but, uh, you know, I don't know if Ronald Darby, former Bill, is going to play in this game or not. Uh, he was questionable last week against the Cowboys and was kind of just uh, in an emergency situation type of uh, active, but uh, Josh Allen has to be excited to see that this secondary is pretty much in shambles. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was, but to, to the credit of that, it's that that was said also last week when the Bills were going up against the Dolphins was that, you know, he had to be licking his lips to, to kind of get, get that matchup there. And they really did not exploit that at all until the end of the game. They had, they scored when they needed to score and they took care of business. But yeah, I mean, this is the thing with the Bills offense and with, with how young Josh Allen still is and how he's growing and learning as a quarterback. Um, you know, Part of the whole Miami thing was that you really don't need to throw on Miami. You can run all over them, and so you don't need to air it out all day every day to, to win that game, and the Bills would probably prefer not to do that if they can. They'd rather just run down your throat with Frank Gore and Devin Singletary and, and get out of there with a win and, and live to fight another week. But, um, yeah, I think at some point 
they're really going to have to exploit these matchups they have. And I know this is a good week to do it, especially if Darby is not able to play. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how the Bills kind of attack and, and go about that. Brian Dable, um, to his credit, has been extremely creative this year in kind of utilizing his talent that he has and utilizing kind of Josh's skill set. Um, they, they've They've tried to get Josh more involved in design run plays, which haven't been super successful um, outside of the red zone. But um, last year, we all know the story with Josh Allen just running. I mean, it was all over everything, how successful he was at it. And this year, he hasn't done it as much because of the injury risk. And then, as we saw, I mean, he ended up suffering a concussion on a play where, um, you know, it was questionable whether it was a cheap shot or not. The league decided it wasn't. A lot of Bills fans and media felt it was. Um, uh, kind of a, a helmet-to-helmet hit there. But part of it was because Josh wasn't able to get down and slide, and he still refuses to do that at times. He's always trying to fight for that extra yard, which as a quarterback, you sometimes need to be smart and just get down and, and live to kind of go on to the next play rather than fighting for every inch. But that's part of what they love about him at the same time is his kind of warrior mentality. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just interesting because Dable has been creative at times, but then there's other times where you just – have no idea why they're running the play they're running or, or where that's coming from or why they would pick to do that or why, why they're going for a quarterback sneak on fourth and three when, you know, when they have so many other options, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, there's been times where there's been questionable play calls. So each week it's kind of a new adventure for the Bills offense, you know, because they're still looking. That's the thing that's kind of holding them back. And I think why people look at the Bills and they say, okay, they're five and one. They have a, a one of the top defenses in the league. Um, why are they not getting more respect? And I think it's still because of that offense. I feel like they have not been able to break out yet. They've had some nice games. I mean, last week versus Miami, uh, you know, they were able to score over thirty for the first time this year. Um, but uh, it, it, that's the Dolphins. So I, it's just tough because I think that's that last step they need to show. Josh Allen needs to show he's progressing enough as a quarterback and that this offense is really able to put up points because even if you have a top defense in the league when you go up against teams later on that if if you're able to make the playoffs and and every team in the playoffs is pretty good to get there um, you're going to need to be able to put up some points even if you have a great defense so that's kind of the last the piece that's holding the bills back there and and also josh's kind of untimely turnovers, which last week he played a really clean game versus the Dolphins, didn't turn the ball over, and that ultimately was the difference. We've seen in prior weeks the defense just having to play outstanding because Josh throws this random interception that puts them in a horrible position. So, um, you know, if, if he's turning the ball over versus the Eagles, all of a sudden I think you're in a different situation because it's not Miami's defense. You know, it's not some of these other awful defenses. While perhaps the Eagles haven't played up to their standards, they do have talent that some of these other teams have lacked. So um, I'm interested to see how they attack the Eagles' defense and if they do take advantage of, of playing, uh, you know, a weaker secondary. But um, it's not guaranteed, that's for sure. Definitely. And, you know, we talk about the matchups and everything. What do you kind of view as an X factor uh, in this game, whether it's from the Bills or the Eagles, that could you know sway the outcome one way or another? Yeah, I just it, I think what I just said about the turnovers. I think that's really going to be at the end of the day. I, I don't ever doubt that the defense is going to show up, even if they're not. You know, they're a hundred percent of the game. They play well enough every game to keep the Bills in it. 
Um, it's going to come down to does Josh Allen turn the ball over or does he play clean enough? And are they able to exploit that secondary like we just talked about? I think, you know, the run game is reliable enough. I think the defense is going to be good enough. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of cliche and it's said a lot, but whoever wins the turnover battle tends to find themselves as the team that is able to walk out with the win. I think that's very true for this week. I think that if they can, the Bills can play clean, um, I think they have a good shot here. But, you know, if they're, if they're going to be turning the ball over left and right, um, you know, that's going to be a tough, tough one to come out with the win. Now, it has been extremely, you know, quote unquote, negadelphia after uh, th- this Cowboys loss. Is there any way you could see the Eagles, you know, getting off this losing streak and, and beating this Bills team? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it's tough because I, you know, we just talked for however long about all the different things, and it, it's just this sense. Sometimes you get this sense where, um, at the end of the day, it's still tough sometimes to buy into to a young team, and and as well as the Bills have played, like I said, really their only super quality opponent, and and the Titans have played well at times, and and their quarterback situation has been a mess, and they were able to get the win versus the Titans, but. Um, you know, I think New England's done really their only tough task to this point. So um, this, to me, is going to be really interesting because I think I'm almost it almost makes it worse in a sense that the Eagles are this down because when you fight when you face a team that is this down and this desperate and still has the talent, it's just they need to put it all together. You don't ever want to be the team that they suddenly decide to put it together against. So that's to me is is right now the eagles are in a kind of a situation where it's like what do we have to lose like what what things are so down like but i mean they still are three and four and they still even you know even if they were to lose this game as bad as things look they're still going to be in contention for a wild card spot so uh, the season's not over by any means for the eagles so i get the negativity and, and people being upset especially after that game versus the cowboys but this is the exact type of game where you come into Buffalo, a really tough environment to play in. You go up against one of the top defenses in the league, and you're able to, to pull out a win. That's, those are the wins that turn your season around. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to come out and say that, oh, I, you know, I think for sure the Bills are going to lose. But, I, you know, if we were to touch base on Monday and, and the Eagles had won, I, I would not be shocked. I, I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, this game is going to be very interesting across the board. Like you said, it's kind of a litmus test for this Bills team, and it is the what everybody here in Philadelphia is hoping for, the get-right game, because uh, things are super down. Bradley, really appreciate you jumping on this week. Let everybody know where they can like follow you on social media, read all your good stuff that you're putting out about these Buffalo Bills. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow me over on Twitter at Bradley Gelber, G-E-L-B-E-R. Um, and I write over at uh, billswire.usatoday.com, so we have a lot of good stuff previewing the game for this weekend, and uh, we'll have you covered on the Bills side of things, and uh, really appreciate uh, you having me on today. Definitely, man. If anything uh, somehow clicks into place where we have the weird Bills-Eagles Super Bowl, love to have you on again, man. Absolutely. Uh, I look forward to that. Well, there you have it, Eagles fans. The Bills are in high spirits. We are on brand with Negadelphia. This game is going to determine a lot of things. Um, Whether or not the Eagles can potentially turn this season around, get back on track, and uh, hopefully push for a division 
title because I think that's the one way the Eagles are making the playoffs. It would be an absolute miracle if they make it as a wild card. But this Bills team is tough. That defense is nasty. Tredavious White is, like Bradley said, an up-and-coming top-five corner. I think he's one of the best in the league already. Um, you know, this defense is going to be nasty. And if this offensive line for the Eagles is not prepared to stop a, a good pass rush that is coming their way, for you know, if Carson is not accurate, there's going to be problems. And this team needs to get back on track fast. I hope we're talking about an Eagles win next week. Uh, you know, on our, our main show and on this show. But things are down right now. And the Eagles are going to have to do a lot to uh, go into Buffalo on the tail end of a three-game road trip and come away with a big W to get this season back on track. But uh, hopefully that happens. Because right now, me personally, I am down on this team more than I probably ever have been. And it's a shame because there's so much talent and they should be so much better than they actually are. But Eagles-Bills this Sunday should be a doozy. Bills-Mafia. Eagles Nation, it's going to be one for the ages. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI to get all the Eagles updates that you are looking for because we provide it on the daily. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews with your predictions for Eagles Bills. We want to hear them all. We will read them on these podcasts if we get them. And you can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app. And you can stream us and follow us on iHeartRadio. Do that for us. That will help us big time. That is the third app we are really pushing is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So if you use any of those three, you are doing us a huge favor along with any of the other uh, podcast platforms. But Eagles, man, let's let's get a W. I want to be happy and have a victory Monday coming my way because last Sunday was brutal and we got to turn this thing around to get to where we want to be. This has been the week eight of 2019 episode of Eagles Enemies, Eagles Bills, Sunday. Be there. Let's do this thing. For everybody here at Underground Sports Philadelphia, thanks again to Bradley Gelber from the Bills Wire. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. We are signing off. Go Birds!